Hello, and welcome to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. In week 9 of our James Faith in Action series, Mike Holland spoke on James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, about what our tongues often reveal about our hearts. So, we've been going through the, the book of James for several weeks now. And we've been able to see the, the book of James, this letter that James wrote, one of uh, Jesus' half-brothers, is full of Old Testament wisdom, um, but it's also uh, very perfectly in tune with Jesus' teachings. So James was obviously familiar with uh, Scripture that he already had available to him that he could dive into, but also the teachings of Jesus. And the, the overall focus of this book is he wants to help his congregation and then us now who have the privilege of being able to look at the book of James. He wants, he wants to help bring Christians to spiritual maturity. That is, that is his goal. And he's already shown that um, in the first two chapters that spiritual maturity, um, it develops through response to trials and temptations. That when we, we make it through trials, we grow through t- trials, that those are good and perfect gifts from God. And how our spiritual maturity is enhanced by our response to God's word. So we're not just, we're not just talking the talk, but we're, we're walking the walk as well. And now James is going to show us that spiritual maturity is evidenced by the use of the tongue. And he's going to pose to us um, an argument that, that mastery of the tongue is a clear mark of the whole Christian, a holy, mature Christian, and that tongue mastery is the fruit of self-mastery. And so we've been, we've been talking through James, and Pastor Kenny gives a really good uh, image of this check engine light, right? That's, that's a word that we've been used. Oh, check engine light. That was planned. So it's the, the check engine light, it's a diagnostic tool, right? Um, the problem isn't the light, but the light is saying we might have a problem. So if you're driving down the road and your check engine light comes on, the, it, the thought we have isn't, well, for me sometimes it is, how can I get this light to turn off? It's, hey, this light's telling me that there may be a problem, that I should check into something. And we have lots of light. We have low, low tire pressure lights. I've, got, I've had one of those on my car for about a year and a half. Um, we've got low gas lights, right? The, hey, if you don't do something about this, you may have a problem down the road. You're going to run out of gas. So we have, we have these diagnostic tools. And since I am the person who says, what can I do to get this light to turn off? I started to think of other diagnostic tools. And having, having little kids, I think of, like, when we take the kids to a doctor's office, one of the first things the doctor says is, stick out your tongue. And it seems that a doctor can tell a lot about the health of your body by looking into your mouth, right? So it's a diagnostic tool that a physician has. And they ask us questions, so we share symptoms, and the, the doctor uh, picks up on symptoms. And we don't want to just treat the symptoms. We don't want the symptoms to go away. We want to actually figure out what are the symptoms telling us about what's going on in our life. You might have a headache. We don't want to just make the headache go away. We can. We could take some sort of simple headache medication. But 
are you dehydrated? Do you have some sort of sinus problem going on? Do you have a pinched nerve? What's giving you the headache? Let's fix that. Otherwise, the headache's going to just keep coming and going, right? So uh, what we're going to come down to is that what comes, what comes out of our mouths is usually a very accurate index of what's going on in our hearts. So that's what we're going to be reading through, through this passage. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read. I'm reading from the ESV. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to James. It's a very small book, almost all the way in the back. And we're reading from 1 James 3, all uh, verse 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord our and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour, fo- pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So, we're going to start with this simple idea how, how James starts with telling us that the tongue is tough to tame. I've already had problems just reading out loud. The, t- the tongue is tough to tame. And James starts this section by, he issues a special word of wise counsel uh, for those who may aspire to teach, right? It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. It's important for those who are teachers or who are thinking that they might have an aspiration to teach, uh, to be aware of the weight of their words and that there's, there's potential influence in their words. And a teacher uses their words as their main tool of the trade, right? It's how, it's how we communicate with each other. And, and there's a danger in that an unreliable tongue is likely to lead uh, to a destructive model to those who are being taught. But like, like we said, most of us communicate with our tongues. That's just, that's how we communicate. We talk to each other. So if, if it's true for, for the teacher... That, uh, that, those, um, that, that the mastery of the tongue is a sign of maturity, that's, that's true for all of us as well, because we all use our tongues. And there's a lot of different levels that I think of teaching. I think of as a parent, I am a teacher to my children. 
and the tongue is tough to tame. And sometimes my children are an extension of my tongue. And I have those moments of, oh, I promise we don't say that at home. I don't know where they learned it. And then there's moments of, yeah, that, that sounds like something that I, I probably said. My, my kids totally sound like me. But, but the tongue, it is tough to tame, right? It's, it's hard. It's the quickest escape route from our heart. And we have, we have sayings that we're all familiar with, like, don't, uh, do, as I, do as I say, not as I do. Why is that such a common thing? Because it's easy to say and it's harder to do. We have sayings like, uh, don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Because it's easy to talk. The talking part is the easy part. But then actually being consistent with your tongue and speaking healthy, it's hard. So this is a very simple idea. It's very easy for us to understand that, that it's hard to tame the tongue but that the mastery of the tongue is a fruit of, of mastering yourself. And, and James is he's going to talk about that there's, there's a negative and a positive aspect of controlling your tongue. Right There's the not saying anything, controlling your tongue in silence. But then there's also controlling your tongue in gracious speech. So there's this idea of a putting off you're putting off the toxic speech, and you're putting on gracious speech. Um, we don't have time to look at it today, but if you're, if you're a note taker, take this down, write this on, on your notes, on your hand, in the margin of your Bible, on the back of the head of the person in front of you. Write down Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. That is a very, very clear and detailed description of, as Christians, how we put off the old self and we put on our new self in Christ. So both speech and silence together are a mark of maturity. And, and James immediately points out, as a humble teacher, that nobody has ever succeeded in controlling their tongue. Well, there was one, Jesus. And he says that we're all going to stumble. So don't get stuck on the stumbling because it's going to happen. But you're stumbling. You might hear words that are coming out of your mouth. That's a check engine light. What's going on in your heart? So as Christians, our hope here is that we belong to Jesus and we actively participate in becoming more like Jesus. The more we, we shape or allow God to shape our hearts, the more we're going to sound like Jesus in gracious speech and in gracious silence. So it's important to, to recognize and respond to these check engine lights, so to, so to speak, which, which is our tongue. So I've already said I'm really bad with lights coming on in my car. Um, I was a driver for just shy of, what, 20, 20 years, maybe 15 years. Didn't, never ran out of gas. Never ran out of gas. Really good. It seems like a fairly simple thing to do. And then there was a day, there was, just, there was so much going on, this crazy season of life where everything was, oh, tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll get gas tomorrow. 
or I'll get gas after work. Um, and I found myself driving home from work. I'm, work, I'm coming over the Vincent Thomas Bridge. As, as I'm at the bottom of the, of the bridge, I start kind of sending up this prayer of, God, just let me get to the peak of the bridge. Because if I can get to the top, I can coast to a gas station. Even if I run out of gas, I'll be fine once I get to the top. And as I'm going, going up, I start having other thoughts. Well, it was more than gas that I had put off. I had also put off smogging my car. So even though I had paid my registration, my tags were out of date. Um, not excusing it, that was a wrong thing. And I was caught in it because I was being lazy or I was letting life rule my, my choices. So I'm in and what seems to be an unregistered car, and I'm running out of gas, and I'm getting up to the top, and I start doing that sputtering. If you've ever ran out of gas, it's the worst. They're like, why isn't my gas pedal working anymore? And I'm almost at the top. I'm like, come on, baby, come on, baby. And I feel like the lurching is slowing me down, so I actually turn the car off, and it's in neutral, and I'm coasting, 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 coasting. And I hit a spot where I'm pretty sure I'm not going forward anymore, and, yep, I'm slowly going backwards. So... So I just step on the brake, I put it in park, and now I'm here. I'm on the bridge. At least I'm in the right, the right lane. And the thought process changes, right? So, okay, so I messed that up, and now I'm just here stuck on the bridge. Who can I call? Who can get to me first before a police officer comes up and sees that I'm stopped on the bridge and I've got no gas? And uh, anyway, the first person there was a police officer, and they ended up... Pushing me, pushing me up to the top and put, giving, me, giving me a good push. And I coasted down and, and I made it to a gas station and, and it ended up okay. But the problem was I was ignoring the lights. I was ignoring the, hey, I only turn on when you're about to run out of gas. I knew what that light meant and I chose to ignore it. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And in that moment, there was an opportunity for tomorrow. I ran out of gas. And in that season of life, I actually, in about a year's time, ran out of gas six times. Six, that's a lot. Most of you have probably, will go a lifetime without running out of gas six times. One of them was here, just right over there, intersection of Eshelman and, and PCH, right after Easter service. We were running around trying to make sure Easter was just perfect, probably had a kid under each arm and snacks for the toddlers, and we were just so happy that we made it through Easter, and then we ran out of gas right there. <laughs> but I can say this, if you're going to run out of gas, Easter, that's the day, because everyone wanted to be really helpful. <laughs> so, so that was good. But we have these lights. We now know the kids were up here taking next steps. As adults, we get to take next steps all the time, right? Every time we learn something new about ourselves or we learn something new about God, we have the opportunity to take a next step. What are we now going to do with this new information that we have? So James is telling us the words that come out of your mouth, it's a check engine light. It's a diagnostic tool to figure out what's going on in your heart. So what are you going to do now? What is that next step? James continues, and, and he's, he talks about the tongue being small but mighty. And he uses two examples that, that are really easy for us to understand. Again, the tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth, and the tongue is also like the rudder of a ship. I think of trying to, trying to picture James and what he's, what he's seeing and what he's familiar with, uh, 
like a military horse of a Roman soldier. It's majestic and they're strong, but they're so easy to control with the bit in its mouth. Such a tiny object, but it yields such incredible power. Or the rudder of a ship. Everything was wind-driven, right? So they've got these massive sails. The wind is blowing and waves may be crashing, but still the pilot of the boat can steer that ship where they want it to go with a small rudder. Even though there's all of this power surrounding it and moving it, the true power is in that small rudder of the ship. Uh, Pastor Kenny uh, brought up just such a good visual, at least to me, I like to build things, of a, of a hammer. There's a lot of power in a hammer, right? It's, I think, one of the most satisfying tools to build with. You're putting in the nails, and you're like, yeah, I'm building this thing. Maybe you hit your thumb. You're like, ah, that's okay. That's part of ministry. <laughs> but then also, when it comes to destruction, a hammer is not only effective. To me, it's like the most fun tool to use to destroy something it can build and man can it tear down also especially a little claw hammer it's got it's you can use it eloquently to 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 take something apart to destroy something or you can just bash the heck out of it but that's such a good it, it goes right in right in tow with the rudder of a ship or with a bit in a horse's mouth it's small but it has a lot of power both to build and to destroy so there's, there's the aspect of, of the good and the ill um, in the power of the tongue. And it's, and it's all just out of whack and proportionate to its size. But the reason behind it is that the tongue is speaking into the world from the breath of the heart. The tongue projects the thoughts and intentions of the heart out into the world and to those around us. Jesus said, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? A cup can only spill what it contains. So we we should control our tongue and we should have the maturity to sometimes just know when to not talk. But it's more than that. What's going in your heart that is even allowing those words to come out? Proverbs 17, 28 28 says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. There were times that people thought I was smart, and I probably wasn't talking. (laughs) But there's these two sides, right? It's a wonderfully encouraging side, but there's also a devastating side of the power of the tongue. We find some more wise words in, in Proverbs 15. There's a lot of wise words in, in the book of Proverbs, but specifically that the, um, are associated with our passage here. Proverbs 15. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Later in Proverbs 15, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And then later still in Proverbs 15, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. There's two sides, wonderfully encouraging power of the tongue, but then also a devastating and destructive uh, aspect of power in the tongue. So right now, I'm... I'm borrowing uh, someone else's car. I'm borrowing a truck, right? Because they're out of town and they want it to be driven. Um, 
They probably haven't heard my stories about running out of gas. Um, but the thing is, so, so I'm talking to this person that I borrow in the truck, and, and I let them know, hey, did you know your check engine light is on? And the response is, oh, yeah, don't worry about it. It's just a thing, and, and I, I know what it's about. And I'm like, okay, like, I'll trust you, I guess, that that check engine light doesn't mean anything. You know more about your car than I do. But I thought there's, there's something to that, because sometimes other people see our check engine lights. Um, I know I've had many, many opportunities for my wife to point out check engine lights in, in my life. Um, and, and one, this one instance always comes to mind. We were, we were at a gathering, and, and we left, and I thought we had a good time, and she thought that we had a good time. And then someone who, who was still at this gathering cared about me enough and cared about Stephanie enough to call her and say, hey, you know, after you guys left, someone like brought this thing up that apparently Mike said something that was super offensive. And now they're like, there's this debate going on about is Mike a good person or is Mike a bad person? And there were some people who were there who were defending me. And there were some people who were there and say, no, you know, what? I remember back in high school when maybe he said this or that. And I just started thinking, man, those words stick with you. <laughs> man, something said, something spoke out into the world that, that wasn't uh, thought about maturely can really have an impact on your life even later. Um, but because someone brought it to my wife's attention, hey, Steph, your husband's check engine light is on. And then she had the boldness to come to me and say, hey, your check engine light is on. It gave me the opportunity to look into myself and say, you know what? I must have said something for someone to feel that way. Now this is an opportunity that I have to look into my heart. And see, what is that check-in engine light saying about me? And, and I poured over these accusations, and I decided, no, those things are definitely not true about me, but they're something. And what I learned about myself through, through prayer and self-reflection um, and, and, and maturing in the moment was that, in fact, I, I was and, and sometimes am insensitive just by nature. I don't mean to. I love people. But, but I can be insensitive. And it was an insensitive word that was spoken, not a hateful word. But because of that check engine light, it allowed me from that point forward to make every effort to be more sensitive, to be more aware of not just what's in my heart, but what I'm allowing to come out, to tame the tongue, to, to make every effort to try to be mature. And sometimes that means just just zipping it, just lock it up. Don't say anything. And sometimes it means being patient and not answering immediately and being thoughtful in speech. But we're all going to stumble. Maybe, maybe you're in a season like I was where you just, you don't, maybe you didn't even see the light come on because it was, you're just, your life was crazy. You were driving, there's traffic everywhere. You didn't see the light. Or maybe someone else pointed you, pointed the light out. And that hurts when someone else points the light out. But you have the opportunity. What am I going to, now that I know this light is on, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to look into my heart and, and pray to God and ask him to help me figure out what's going on inside that something came out through my mouth? Or am I going to ignore it? 
And James continues on, and, and there's a, a third kind of a section here where James gives us just a, a series of vivid pictures. And I think it's what's flashing into his mind as he's writing or as he's dictating. And it's all about the power of the tongue. He said, the tongue is a fire. And all it takes is one uncontrolled spark to burn down an entire forest. Words can consume and destroy life. So a fire, it needs a couple things, right? It needs, it needs fuel and it needs oxygen. So the fire is living. It's consuming oxygen and it's consuming fuel. So for the fire to live, something else has to die. And the fire is fighting for that same oxygen that living things are fighting for. And it just, it just sucks the air. The life-giving oxygen just sucks it out of a room. And the tongue, James says, is a fire that is set ablaze by hell itself. The fire is a world, a world of unrighteousness. Our eyes and ears, they take in what the world has to offer. So the same as the tongue speaks from what's uh, in the heart, the eyes and ears, that's the quickest way for things to get into our heart, right? And we live in this world and we see and we hear and we are affected by what's going on in the world around us. So our eyes and ears are the quickest inlet to the heart and our tongue is like the fire escape. It's the quickest exit for whatever is going on in our heart to escape. And he says that the tongue is a stain. The tongue is set among our members staining the whole body. The one loose sentence can change your reputation forever. I've learned that many times. One unthoughtful comment can stain you. Again, I kind of think of, of fire and even our old HQ. You can have a small fire in a house and the smoke, it fills the house. Well, you have to throw everything out. Not everything is burned, but everything is stained by that smoke. It's just, it's destroyed. You, you take something out of your closet three years after the fire and you put it on. You walk in a room and people are like, what's on fire? Like, it's you because that coat is still stained from the smoke. Um, again, I flash back when I'm thinking of stains. Um, controlling the tongue, I've got a lot of stories about me. Um, but I just, the, the stain, I remember, I used to love going midnight bowling. It was great to get with friends, and they turn on the music, right, and they turn on the black lights, and it's just fun. It's something to do. It was actually something healthy to do, and, uh, and I remember this one night, I was like, oh, I'm going to wear my favorite white shirt, because the black lights come on, and I'm going to be glowing and bowling, and it's going to be great. And this is a shirt that I've had for years. And it always gets washed and it always looks clean. It's a white shirt. You can't see a thing on it until the black lights turn on. <laughs> and you can see every stain that had ever been on that shirt. This T-shirt that I had ironed. I was like, I'm going to look good, black light. And like, it was just, it was all over me. Stains. I felt so foolish. But I had been stained. And even though I maybe went some time without... Without people knowing that my shirt was stained, the day came where boom, black light shone on me and my stains were just there for everyone to see. 
Stains, they stick with you. Words can stick with you. He says that the tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. The untamed tongue is quick to defend itself, and it's swift to attack others. It wants to mark its territory, and it wants to destroy its rivals. And I think James is asking, what I feel God was asking me as I read this passage, is, Mike, what is going on in your heart if your tongue is anxious to subdue and destroy others? In any aspect of life, what is going on in my heart when all I want to do is put someone else in their place? James continues to a fourth and and final section. And it's that the tongue is inconsistent. And my tongue is inconsistent. As As a parent... Tying back to to what can be devastating about not being consistent in your teaching is I'm the guy who goes from, hey, you got to go clean up your room to Christmas is canceled. (laughs) And of course Christmas isn't canceled. I love Christmas. And it's August. (laughs) But... But like that's just, ah, like things just get me and I say foolish things instead of being thoughtful and being a good teacher to my kids. But the tongue is inconsistent. And and we know that this inconsistency of our tongue by now, we know that it's pointing to an inconsistency in our heart. And I think that perhaps the the most scathing accusation in this entire passage is verse 9 where James writes, with it, our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Like, that is just such a hurtful accusation. Have, I'm only asking because I've done it. Have you ever called someone worthless? I have. And when I realized what that meant, Man, that hurts. Oh, yeah, it, it hurts me as being the person who said it. Because of course no one is worthless. God has placed immense worth on everybody, not just me. But there's an inconsistency there. And James, James has he's pointed out these truths about our speech and about our heart. And he's saying these are things that align with nature. We can all understand them and they're easy to understand because they align with nature. It's hard to control your tongue. Fact. Got it, James. Your tongue is small but mighty. Fact. Got it, James. Your tongue can be destructive. Fact. Got it, James. And those things are true of nature. But now you praise God And you curse those made in his image. In all of this, he finally gets to a point where he says, this is wrong. This ought not to be so, my brothers. This is more contradictory than anything that we find in nature. He asks asks these rhetorical questions. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh water and salt water? Of course not. That's completely unnatural. It ought not to be so. 
Does a, does a, a, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives and a grapevine produce figs? Of course not. That's not natural. It doesn't make any sense. Neither can, salt, can a salt pond yield fresh water. Of course it can't. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't align with nature. And yet the inconsistency in our heart allows us to praise God and to curse those that he knew and had a plan for before they were even born and still has a plan for them. They still fit into his kingdom that is to come. And it's so easy to go, that stupid person. It would be so much easier if they just weren't even here. It's inconsistent. And it hurts when you realize in the moment what that actually means. There were some people that I wasn't very happy with. They were construction workers. And they decided to do construction on all the roads surrounding our kids' elementary school on the first day of school. I didn't call them worthless, and I, in fact, was very guarded with my words. I kept my tone cool as I drove to the third possible inlet, and there again were cones, road closed. And I said, you know what? I want to be a good teacher to my kids, so I'm not going to raise my voice. I'm not going to show them that I'm angry. I'm going to say, I think it's pretty silly. Whoever made the decision to do this road construction on the first day of school... When, in fact, they had all summer. <laughs> but I had to get to school. I had to drop my, my kids off. That's the law. So I chose to run over. I just had to run over just one little cone <laughs> so, so that I could get to school. And I told the kids, I don't want them to think I'm nuts. So I told the guys, I've got to run over this one cone. Maybe I'll come back and pick it up, but probably not, because other people are going to have to get to school, too. But this is what we have to do so I can get you to school. And a week or two later, my, my dad picked the kids up from school, and he drops them off at our house, and he's like, so you went, like, crazy and ran over, like, a million cones and were saying how stupid everybody was? And he's like, no, that's totally not what I did. I thought about my words. I chose them very carefully. And, and I controlled my I subdued anything. I was using soothing tones. <laughs> and I only ran over one cone. And I let them know it was going to happen. But I forgot who my audience was. <laughs> my audience was a six and seven year old who were raw wrong in the back. Yeah, those guys are stupid. Run over the cones. <laughs> so there was still a lack of maturity there. There's still inconsistency in my message to my children because they had all summer. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team back up. So we've got these things. We know that our tongue is a diagnostic tool to figure out what's going on in our heart. It's a check engine light. So I want to leave you with three thoughts for moving forward for taking next steps towards spiritual maturity. Because wherever you are today, these things can apply to you in this moment. One is just the acknowledgement that what comes out of your mouth is telling of your heart condition. It's, it's the truth. Jesus said it. James wrote it here. 
What comes out of your mouth is telling of what's going on in your heart. So do you have a check engine light on? And if you do, are you going to ignore it? Are you going to do what I did? Oh, just like after work or just one more day. Like I'm pretty sure I can roll all the way down the hill to a gas station tomorrow. Or are you going to deal with it today? Because you might run out of gas. Or you might ruin your oil pump. Or your engine might just stop. There might not be tomorrow. So what is your next step if you recognize that you have a check engine light on? The second thing is that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you are a new creation. I get to say, I may not be the mature man that I want to be or that my wife wants me to be, but I thank God that I'm not the man that I was. Because of things that I've done, I might still have some stains on me to other people. But when God looks at me, he sees a clean slate because I've accepted Jesus and his sacrifice. And and God sees me through the sacrifice of his son. King David, who was called a man after God's own heart, prayed a prayer that we we sing in a very familiar song. And it wasn't... uh, Hey, I am now going to follow God, so I'm going to say this prayer. David already had a relationship with God when he prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. That wasn't the prayer that he prayed the day that he said, I think I want to follow God. That was a prayer that he prayed when he recognized a check engine light had come on. And he realized that he was living in a way other than he wanted to. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. And the third thing is the next step, wherever you are, is to be in God's word. To let what has poured out of God's mouth transform your heart. Right, we've got our, our eyes and we've got our ears. We know that's the inlet to our heart, the quickest way in. So let's be in God's word. Let's read the scripture. Let's come to church and, and hear the word or listen to podcasts, but let's be in the scripture. And what comes out of your mouth will be more and more determined by what has come from the mouth of God. Thank you for listening to Remembrance Community Church Podcast. You can find all our weekly sermons online at remembrancecommunity.org forward slash sermons. Thank you for listening.